Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Kid Presentable's here. Hey, hey. Lavender Gooms is here. Happy President's Day, everybody. DJ Mark is here. Sup. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a lot of MMA on TV this past week, and a lot of it sucked. Whole bunch of it sucked. Some of it was okay. Some of it was just weird. One of the it fights. It sucked so much that uh, a guy over at Bloody Elbow just, he, he, he was fed up. Dude, he lost it on Bellator. I, you, I, start, I, you start cussing at everything. Like, this is trash. This is a waste of my time. He's like, like how do you have five fights in three hours? How are you going to lie to me? Krokop looks like an action figure about drug testing. You know, he just he was done. That guy was, I, I think it was, was it Tim Burke, I think? I think it was that guy. He just, he had enough. That guy needed a nap. <laughs> it was a rough weekend for him. All right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about the once and maybe not so future king of heavyweight, Kane Velasquez's return to the UFC where shit went as bad as possible. And I watched the fight three times to try to figure out what happened. And I realized either scenario is not good. Um, we had a we had a real who shot first, the uh, Greedo or Han situation when it came to his knee. I mean, real talk, when the guy's like, it wasn't the punch that got me, my knee just buckled. I'm like, honestly, it was a 26-second fight, man. You're, you getting knocked down in 26 seconds maybe paints a better picture for your future than your knee giving up after 26 seconds of action. Like, <laughs> you know what that sounds like, him talking about his knee? Mm. You remember back in, like, the Nintendo days when, like, you would lose, like, your older brother or, like, you know, a friend or something, and you'd be like, nah, 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 that was a controller. Controller. No, no, like, honestly, in fairness, hey, I, I, so I, I, I got stuck with that shitty Mad Cats controller, Mike. <laughs> it was the controller. Oh, I, I, I had a Mad Cats N64 controller. One of these motherfuckers had to hold it every time we played games. It was not <laughs> fair. Honestly, I was just upset Mike didn't say lose two, and I was like, you know when you lose your brother? And I was like, your brother died? Like, where's this going? Okay. <laughs> no, honestly, I watched this fight a bunch because I was like, I couldn't tell if he really got hit. And I'm like, he kind of got hit, but that was, this guy's a pretty decent chin. Or maybe he doesn't. Yeah. And then I'm like, I it mean, didn't make a difference. I'm like, he barely got touched and he dropped at like, maybe he got hit enough that his knee buckled a little bit and then his knee collapsed. Like, I mean, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's, it's not France. one or the other. Maybe it's a gray area in the middle, but none of the options are good, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, it's Francis Ngannou, though. I think even a glancing blow could possibly do that, no? I don't know. He doesn't really land glancing blows when he puts people down. He, you know, hits them with the fucking mega shots. I don't know. You guys didn't see it happen. Cain Velasquez went out there, looked a little older, but was moving around okay. Um, shot a takedown, didn't work. Kind of got hit with an uppercut, maybe, but his knee buckled, and it pretty clearly looks like he fucked up his left knee. I mean, if Francis Ngannou, if it's possible to get not enough credit for the 26-second knockout, that's what's happening, because I don't think I learned anything about Francis Ngannou. Um, and then afterwards, Kane said it was just his knee that gave out, which isn't a better option, quite frankly, than getting knocked out by a guy like Francis. So, hater. I mean, I don't know, Stefan. Do you 
did we learn anything besides maybe Cain Velasquez isn't long for this world? I mean, long for this um, sport, not world. Damn, damn, bro, you killing him? You already killed <laughs> your brother. Hey, he's like a horse. He's no longer good. Let's take him all back. We're taking the glue um, factory. No, like an I animal mean, farm situation here. I think for me, it's just it's disappointing. You know, we were excited for his comeback. He'd been gone for a while, and when he was around, he was really good. So it's disappointing. But what is the term I have always described? Cain Velasquez from going back years and years, his whole career. I've always called him a glass cannon. Um, and that's still just kind of what he is. is. Is he more, he's more Mr. Glass than ever. If this really was the case of his knee giving out, like I said, I thought he was going to pro wrestling. And to me, that just kind of vindicates that thought is he, if he has an itch over there at all, he seems to be a fan of it. If he has an itch to do it, um, I think it's a good choice for him. Uh, this sport is, it's tough on him. And, he still gets a lot, he gets a lot of flack, um, you know, for whatever reason. Cormier doesn't seem to get the flack about the whole AKA method of they train too hard and they kind of do this to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of see that with Rockhold, but then again, Cormier is there too, so I'm not sure that's the solution. But yeah, if the guy's knee is just kind of giving out like that under not a lot of duress, I don't want him to keep doing this. Um, Kane's a guy I really liked, and I know maybe it's the wrong thing to be a fan of, but you got to want some of these guys to have a quality of life and his body is just giving up on him. It was, it was kind of funny when he broke his hands, just hitting, you know, big nog or uh, not big nog, sorry. Um, Bigfoot Silva too much, you know, like it's just, he hurts himself cause he just kicks too much ass, but now it, it doesn't even seem to take much his body. It's not long for the sport. Like you said, um, I'd like to see him move on from this. He, there's nothing he needs to accomplish. It'd been cool if he got another title run, but for a moment in time, he was the greatest heavyweight I ever saw. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people, and I'm actually going to point this out because this sport has gotten so many different fans since uh, Kane's real high point. Because I think Conor McGregor showed up in 2014 or 2013, and I think Kane's fought like twice since then. So Kane Velasquez, and I think most of us would agree, at his best was probably like at his peak of abilities was maybe the best heavyweight any of us had seen. Like, when he was early on, we got the impression, well, this is the man. Like, period. Forever. You know a detail that just uh, came to my mind that I didn't think about? Uh, the UFC should not launch a new viewing platform with Kane as a main Oh, event. yeah. It doesn't go well. It somehow that's got the, worse. That's apparently, that is, a, that is a cursed move to make Kane your leadoff on the network. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I literally was watching with my cousin, and I said, this is what's going to happen here. I'm like, either this Mexican gentleman is going to throw this black dude in the air like a pizza pie... Or the black dude's going to hit him so hard, um, he's going to be unconscious. And I, I said, it'll take about two, two options. I'm like, I said, it takes about two minutes. We'll know where this is going. And we got an answer. I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, we're kind of hoping. We don't got any official word yet. Maybe we get lucky and it's just like a slight knee sprain or something. But, man, I mean, that went. That was as bad as possible for the man, right? No, you know, if I had an opinion on this when I saw it live, my actual thought was, I think that knee was already compromised going into the octagon. I think he knew there was something really wrong with his knee. And he couldn't pull out? Damn it. Damn it. If he didn't think, I haven't fought since July 9th, 2016. I need to get into this goddamn ring. I need some money. I I need to get paid. I so mean, yeah. I think, because I thought, like, how is it you can get all the way to in the octagon you barely get, I mean, I don't know if you barely got touched. I miss this Francis Ngannou, but 
you barely get touched and your knee just gives out. No, 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 no. That's not how this thing works. I mean, it's possible. I remember when he beat Brock, Mark. Um, he beat Brock and then the fight ended and he said he needed shoulder surgery. And everybody was like, where in that fight you hurt your fucking yeah, shoulder? Like, that, when did that happen? That, that denotes it didn't happen in the fight. That denotes he got hurt before the fight. Like, yeah, I, I mean, don't think this man has more than one fight left in him in in the ufc i, mean, I think Mar- he's i think he's almost done i mean maybe marcus what was i mean what was your takeaway that happened so quick the fight it was it's hard to draw as many conclusions as we have for something that went 26 seconds but what do you think overall uh yeah i mean l- like you guys and like you know the mma fan base at large i was really excited to see to see kane come back because we we know how capable he is and just how you know potentially far he can go you know he could potentially I, I would maybe say at this point he could have been one of the greats in the heavyweight division he had the skill set absolutely to rule over this division for a long time at this point we've seen many years shaved off because of injury his inability to consistently get fights and this was kind of supposed to be his big return um francis nugano is a fresh face that kind of has popped up in his absence this was going to be a huge statement for him to go in there beat a guy like Francis, really stamp his foot down and say, you know, I'm deserving of a title shot, even though at this point the landscape's a little weird for him because now his best friend DC holds that belt. How eager he is to go after it and potentially fight a friend doesn't really seem like it's where he wants to be. But this was really going to be him saying, like, look, it, I am back. I am back in this division. There's still a lot of interesting fights for me to have. I think him and Stipe is one that we've all been anticipating for a while. Um, With this outcome, though, it really is just like he's been gone for so long. He's kind of, you know, at least in my mind, has kind of escaped. You know, I haven't really been thinking about like, oh, you know, how how is Kane going to fit in this landscape? It's just like, well, when he gets back and he's healthy, we'll see. We thought he was healthy, you know, come Sunday. And it turned out, you know, and I, I don't know if he had a pre-existing um, injury. I And I think back in the Brock days, Bobby, you'd be better because you have a better memory of this stuff. They weren't paying for... They weren't, they they, weren't paying they weren't like, They were, didn't have insurance. Yeah, they didn't have, so uh, they didn't have, guys, they didn't have fight camp insurance, which they do now. Right, and, and a lot of guys would pull that where they would get injured in fight camp. They didn't want to pay out of pocket for the surgery. They would wait to have a fight you know, drop the fight instantly or do the best they could. And after the end of the fight, be like, well, look, I, I hurt this, that, and the other. I need to get surgery. You guys will cover it because it happened in the fight. Now that they have insurance, there's really no reason to go in the octagon when you know you're not um, suitable and, and Bobby's giving me the money signs. And that's all well and good. Dude probably needs a paycheck. It's been three years. You know, it's hard to live off. I mean, I mean we, we, we live here. We know how much fucking property costs in the Bay Area. <laughs> We, we know he, he he's garnered a lot of money throughout his career, but you know if it really was one of these things where he's like, well, I got to bust a knee. I can go. I got thirty seconds to get this done. I think that would be really ill advised of him because um, I think this hurts his stock quite a bit, right? Um, it is kind of a freak injury. We do see these things happen from time to time where we didn't really get a good feel of just where Kane physically is at. Um, but I mean you look at the the end result where you know he he couldn't last 30 seconds until one of his body parts was not able to sustain the rigors of a fight and i think what's um also um concerning is just you know, not only has he had so many injuries but they're all spread over the place like steph I mentioned before the dude's broken his hand um his biggest injuries recently have been two back injuries and now he, he hurt his knee really bad so i mean when you have a vehicle and the transmission's getting blown out and the gasket's getting blown out and the spark plugs are fucked, it's kind of you start thinking about like, oh, maybe I need another car. Maybe it's not worth putting the mileage in this one to see how far I can get it. 
Um, and maybe AKA is thinking the same thing, you know, maybe, and I don't think that's necessarily the case because I think they know they had something really strong in Kane. I just don't know mentally where he's at, especially since, you know, the last year we've been talking about him going to more WWE stuff, him being really, you know, interested in going that route. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't how, buy it. Man, I don't think that's like, you, those guys aren't living a good, like, healthy well, life, man. That, yeah, that's I mean, Steph <laughs> mentioned, like, like, oh, maybe, you know, you know, because, because look, MMA is a very difficult sport to stay healthy in, but pro wrestling is not what I would consider to be like an easier jump to because while you're not taking the actual punches, you're taking a lot of big spots. You're doing a lot of jumping and landing and slams on your back. These aren't things that I, mean, I would think he, he's body. also he's not Ronda Rousey. They're not going to have him work one match a month. He, well, if, and you know, I mean, <laughs> he does not his and I don't mean to, to body shame anybody, but I mean. We saw the guy on Sunday. He's looking a little soft, right? You don't. We don't see if you're going to be soft in WWE. You got to be fat as fuck. You can't just be kind of sloppy. You better be able um, to do some fucking flips like Kevin Owens at least, and be able to do some shit. I'm saying, you know, like or you just got to be so big that you're just a monstrosity. You're, yeah. you're Mark. You're Mark Henry. You're just a big motherfucker. And like, <laughs> Kane's not really pushing any of those envelopes. He's just a dude that in WWE standards would be like he's six foot tall. He's as big as he's as tall as Seth Rollins. He's not that big. <laughs> but I like the storyline is, you know, we made they made Brock such a monster, and this is the man who absolutely shamed Brock. This is the man that turned Brock into the spinning discotheque meme. Like <laughs> Man, it's not lost on me that I might end up seeing Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in fucking wrestling before I see it in MMA. That was that's something that might happen. Um okay, Francis Ngannou wants a title shot. I swear to god if he gets a title shot before Stipe Miosic. I mean, what's the point of any of this stuff? Um, and DC says he's fighting Brock Lesnar. Wait, so, wait, did you see? Uh, Dana said a lot of egregious statements, but mm -hmm. the one he said in response to Francis asking for a title shot, did you see what he said? No. Is uh, he said we have other plans? You know, Nagano's in the picture, but we have other plans for Cormier. He's like, I don't want to mention it though. I would never announce a fight that wasn't booked. <laughs> and I was like, of all the, that's all you do, Dana bitch. Ever I was just Dana like, White going like, real really? meta. This man right now, like he's just I, that, trolling, that, man. That's a trolling move, right? <laughs> oh my god, that was that was just for us. I would never announce a fight that wasn't booked. By the way, I told this to Mark, but this was one of the favorite favorite things I saw it on YouTube, where uh, on no, YouTube or Twitter, where Megan Olivia was trying to talk to Dana White about the night of fights. You know, they do it all the time, and Nate Diaz is there because he's cornering Kron, and you know he goes and daps up Dana, and Megan's like, "Hey, we're gonna see you soon, Nate." And Nate's like, "Yeah, we're working out." And then as she turns to Dana and says, we're going to see Nate Diaz in the octagon soon. And Dana goes, no. And then he just moves on. <laughs> that was, it was hilarious. Um, Co-main event. I'm the only person who picked this fight right is, uh, is Mike, I think, is what it looks like. That's right. Um, where James Vick went out there and decided to pull a, J a Junior DeSantos and go backwards a lot with his hands down and got hit in the face a bunch. Um... Just we have a lot. To, I mean, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna delve into this more than we need to. But I just think this was the biggest win of Paul Felder's career, and it was good to see him get it done there. Um, I mean, Steph, real quickly, what'd you think? I mean, I was honestly just happy. He was so happy he won. He really, he's been on that breaking. You know, he's been trying to break through for a while now. This is a big one for him. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I don't want to take away from him. It's uh weird. It's like on the one hand, I do think it's Felder's biggest win. Um, but at the other hand, I think it's a clear sign of what uh Vic's ceiling is. Like, ultimately, I think this is, like, numbers 13 and numbers 10 just flip places. Um, you know, I think Vic is now the heir apparent to that Mike Brown can string a few wins, can be a good fighter, but he's not of the highest echelon type guys. Um, we kind of thought Felder might have been there. And honestly, he might still be there because 
that's where I think Vic is now. So is it he's just the better version of it? He's the um who was the other one who was like Mike Brown? The one that Dan Hardy shot on. Um Lytle. When he, Lytle, you know, like I, I still kind of think it's just these two guys. Um, but he fought a very tactical fight. Uh he's a guy with a lot of heart. Um I think his weaknesses are wrestling, and that's something Vic was never gonna test him on. And at this, you know, this division has a lot of good wrestlers in it. Um, so it's something he'll have to shore up to crack through. But hey, he's the guy. He had that fight that was taken away from him when um, it ended up being Habib and Al. I remember he really needed the paychecks. Mm. So um, good to see him get some positive momentum. Um, Cynthia Calvillo um, and Courtney Casey. Um, Marcus, I thought Cynthia clearly won, but maybe my expectations for her are too high for someone who's so early in her career. But I looked at this fight. I think most of us did and said she should... I mean, if she's going to be near the top, I mean, she's what ranked number ten right now. She should be well. She should be capable of putting Courtney Casey down. You know, I maybe mean, tapping her out. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I, it was okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we we've seen Cynthia in spots where she's really excelled, <clears throat> and I consider that to be really in scrambles. I think is where she's the strongest. I think I think her grappling game is her strongest suit. And Courtney Casey was able to shut that down. And they, she made Cynthia kind of just have a stand-up fight with her, which is not Cynthia's strong suit. Um, I think it's um, it's a good little wrinkle in the feather or you know, something along those lines that, that Cynthia was able to get the win without being able to utilize her best skill set. But I think what's really taking away in this fight is just that, yeah, the, the plan Bs to her fights still aren't there. And, and we saw it earlier in her fights. Even the fights where she was able to get these girls down and slap on a rear naked choke really quickly. We saw in the stand-up that like she still had a lot of work to do, and she still does. Um, and I think it's just really pressing that when she can't get the fight you know, to the places where she needs to be, in clinches, on the ground, on top, scrambling, um, she needs to work on how to utilize her stand-up skill set to get her in better positions to get to the ground. Um, and I think that's something that her camp can definitely work on. Um, she got she got to learn that uh, team alpha male overhand right, man. They all learn it. She got to get that. Yeah. And I mean, and look, and that's a really basic wrestling setup. It's really easy just to throw a big punch, get that person to cover up, and then shoot strong on the legs. And it's just something that Cynthia was not able to utilize. The few times she was able to, um, you know, try to engage in the clinch. Courtney Casey, who is a you know a bigger, I think, uh, woman's straw weight, um, really did not have too much trouble uh, brushing her off and getting the fight back to standing where she was able to to utilize her skill sets a little bit better. It was a close fight. You know, I think Courtney Casey got around on her. But, you know, um, I think like, like you're saying, Bobby, there's a lot of talent with uh, Cynthia when she can really get the gears going. Um, but I mean, when still, still eight and one, man. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. we just um, yeah. And obviously, I think she just she's going to have she's going to struggle against other wrestlers. We've kind of seen that. I think her calling out Suarez. Yeah, man. Honestly, like real quick. That took the biggest goddamn balls on the card because Cynthia uh, Tatiana Suarez is a fucking killer. Like, I think the world of Tatiana Suarez. And if Cynthia Calvillo is going to call her out because it's a real problem for Tatiana to get a fight right now because no one's well, no one really wants to fight her. Um, Jesus, Marcus. I mean, props yeah. for that, but wow. Yeah, big pro- and it's just, you know, maybe it's not. I mean, look, it, you have to imagine all these fi- all these fighters feel like they could beat anyone out in the field. I mean, it, if you don't feel that way, this is not a sport for you to get into. You have to be mentally strong and prepared to take on the, the fighters that no one else is. But I think when you look at that fight stylistically, you have two really good grapplers, and you just have one that's on a completely other field. And after this fight, we saw Cynthia when she couldn't, lean back on the on that skill set that she's so good at she didn't look great 
Um, I don't know how Suarez looks on the on the feet because she's been able to utilize her skill set on getting girls to the ground very quickly. Um, and I think I think stylistically, the, I don't think it's a good matchup for Cynthia, but I think it's extremely intriguing. I'd love to see these curl uh, these two girls, um, you know, lock horns and just I mean, see them kind of scramble on the mat because that could be a really fun fight. Um, but I, I think you know when we were kind of evaluating Cynthia overall, um, there's still a lot to learn. There's still she's very young. She has a lot of time to still grow. Um, but you definitely see the holes, and Courtney Casey kind of showed that. Not enough to expose her and get the W, but enough to show you, like, well, there's some areas where she's not super strong. Um, Mike. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, but I was going to say, before you continue on this fight, uh, Mark said something that I just wanted to chime in about that self-belief. Um, props to the uh, promo department, because it made me feel something I hadn't in a long time, and that's interested in a fight that's coming. Anthony Smith is starting to make me believe in him. Like... I'm not saying I'm willing to be crazy yet. I'm not saying we're getting crazy yet, but he he made me think he has a much greater chance against John Jones than I did before these promos. So, so what's um, that from zero to like one percent now? Man, Anthony Smith said some shit a couple of weeks ago where he's like, "I've never been." It's like nobody's ever expected me to perform at all in any of my fights, and I'm like, "That was like heart wrenching, man." I'm like, "This is his job," and everybody thinks he's a failure. <laughs> To, to be fair, I agree with Steph. Like, watching these promos, like, I got the feeling, you know, at some point, John Jones is probably going to lose. And a guy like um, Anthony Smith just makes sense. Like, this dude just, he believes in himself. His He's finishing like, instinct is what it is. It's like, oh, if he gets one and he really knows how to put it on. And, yeah, everyone gets caught. We uh, we were there for Anderson dancing. You know, we thought it would never come. We, we've seen everyone get I'm caught. I'm just saying, in terms of karma... This John Jones losing like this might be the most appropriate thing that could ever happen, though. I'm just saying. I think mostly it's just it, when when you hear Anthony Smith talking, we're going to talk about that fight that's coming up in a couple weeks. But like when you hear him talk, like I don't I don't think this dude is like feeling the fear that a lot of fighters feel when it's like John Jones, like oh he's the best fighter in the world. Like he's like no, he's just a dude, and I beat dudes all the time. I could beat this dude. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you can. Uh, this dude got knocked know, out man. on Strike Force Challenger series. You think he's scared of getting knocked out in the UFC? Whatever. Like know, he's seen the bottom. Is it just me or do when you think Anthony Smith, do you still think guy that like is the last fight on like a prelim card? I mean, you know, eventually right, these yeah, guys I, these guys get better sometimes. But I, I think that because I've undervalued him and I've underestimated it's that power of self belief, right? We've seen how far it's taken power of self belief has taken Conor McGregor. There are better fighters than him. There are clearly better fighters than him, but look how far self belief can take you. Um and, yeah. and availability because John Jones wants to fight quickly. Sure. I mean, well, but, he, like, he earned a knows, shot, man. Bobby knows a guy I hated in MA was Chris Cariasso because I felt like he bullshitted. I felt like he said a bunch of things he knew he didn't believe, and that made me angry at him because I knew he was bullshitting me. When Anthony Smith talks, I don't think he's bullshitting me, and that counts for something. <laughs> you know what's funny, too, is like I... I had my finger on Anthony Smith for a long time ago. I remember I saw him in Strike Force once. He got a triangle choke, and I was like, that dude's pretty good. Like, I gotta keep my eye on him. Then he went to the UFC and started losing. I was like, oh, no, I was wrong. This guy's garbage. <laughs> and even, even during this whole rise back up to him getting this title shot, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this division where Anthony Smith's coming in from middleweight and just killing fools? But, I, you know, and maybe it's marketing. Maybe I just want to believe in a fight where John Jones isn't just going to completely smash the guy, even though he probably is. Like, I just... I have this ting. I don't know if it's the marketing, but it's just like, had hey, this dude, maybe 
it's just crazy enough and no one thinks he'll win just like they haven't thought he'd won like you know the majority of his fights that he might just pull it off i don't know we i don't, don't know how to about yeah that, to be but, clear i don't know how either i don't know how he hits him in the fucking dome and drops him like i mean, okay, the only I mean way he's, win. he's not gonna out grapple john jones he's gonna hit him with a stupid elbow or something and shock the world that's the only way it happens i don't think it's gonna happen don't and i don't think stefan does either where i think we're just starting to get into the the marketing machine where i'm like Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I the, the, the marketing machine has not been working for me for like the last year or so. I don't feel excited about MMA very often anymore. And this was starting to, that was a little spark. There's a little tinder here. Like, there's something. That's all I'm saying. Good song. Bumble. Mike is, uh, see, Mike here, who's mocking us, last night, I'm going to ask you to talk about Cron Gracie versus Alex Caceres, Mike, because if we had picked this fight, you were 100% going to take Alex Caceres. It wasn't even going to be a that fucking is, question. That is a thousand percent correct. When I heard the podcast earlier last week, as Stefan said, this is a fight we should have picked because for sure, Michael would have taken Alex Caceres. I thought, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's 100% your illegitimate right brother. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's just your family. And um, I, I actually did think for maybe about 30 seconds into that fight, I thought, okay, all right, Alex, he's, he's moving around well. He's moving around well. And then Kron got him against the fence. Yeah, I mean, Mike, and, Mike I actually didn't see it. So well, well, how, did it, how did Alex get put down and, you know, choked out so quickly? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, they were standing for maybe about 45 seconds to a minute before Kron got to grappling with him and pushing him against the fence. And he was able to like do a wrap around both of Alex Caceres's legs. And then he used his other leg almost as a uh, as a push off point from the cage to get Caceres to the ground. And then basically from there, it was just all she wrote. I mean, I mean, I haven't seed seen of Hickson, my friend, seed of Hickson. <laughs> I haven't seen someone cinching a rear naked choke that tight, that quickly, and that forcefully in a while. It was, uh, it was beautiful to behold. I mean, I mean he's I, he's hanging oh. out with the Diaz brothers. I got some hope that he's gonna get some hands out of this eventually, right? I mean, that's who he trains with. So uh, he's pretty young, isn't he? Uh, he's thirty. Um, I mean, and the, no the little stand-up he showed, he didn't look bad. He didn't look Jake Shields bad. Oh, Jake Shields been training with them for years, though. By the way, um, I once saw Jake Shields about a month or a month and a half ago at the Planet Fitness on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think this man isn't strong because he was he was out there just you know pushing seventy-five pound dumbbells, <laughs> and that just made me think. If this pillow hands mother effer uh, is pushing <laughs> seventy five pound dumbbells, what the hell are real power hitters? Uh, and God, who's got like two hundred in each fucking hand, man. <laughs> um, yeah, big Stefan, fan, big fan, Jake Shields. Um, big win for Kron, UFC debut. Stefan, we were talking about this last night while it was happening. Vincente Luque, Barber Brian Barberina, fucking put on a show, right? I mean, fight of the year up until Gaethje fights Barboza, right? Um. I'll say this, Gaethje and Barbosa have a lot to live up to. That was a hellacious fight, and it wasn't like a sloppy-ass brawl. It was on Bam Bam's part a little bit, Barbarina, but his was by design, and that was kind of the beauty of it, is Luque has really sharp technical striking. Like, he has amazing straights, hooks, overhand combinations. He mixes it up with kicks really well. He is just a really, like, technical, like, Muay Thai, sharp, sharp fighter, devastating finishing instinct but barbarino was fighting him exactly how he needed to he was getting in with short elbows he was clinching when he could he was making it dirty 
like he could he he could take a million shots and he was given it it was amazing because i thought uh luke was winning a lot of the first round and then bam bam came back late and then bam bam was winning most of the second round till luke dropped him late like they both just had moments and uh it took two knees it's he gets finally it ends with luke getting him in a, a muay thai clinch knee against the fence but then as he's falling before any hands or knees hit the mat i looked at it to make sure it was clean and it was he catches them again and uh gives them another knee with the left knee this time one of each um yeah it was an amazing fight i don't know what luke's wrestling game is but his stand-up potential makes me really think he's someone to pay attention to. i mean seriously the guy showed up in the ufc as a seven and four fighter and he's won eight and two since. So the guy you gotta pay attention to a man is really like he gets to the bigger stage and gets even better. Really showing I mean, some growth. I mean welterweight is the that is that is absolutely the, the uh, He's put down four straight people. Four finishes it, in a row. You're gonna oh. definitely need wrestling in this division. Um so he might need to shore that up. But again, his striking potential is seems very high caliber. Um, oh, and uh, you guys are a little unsure as to where you knew Vicente Luque from. Um, I think he fights for the Black Zillions, and he was on that one season of Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, um, is this still, is that still guys. a team? Honestly, the Black Zillions still exist? Because uh, like Rashad so. doesn't fight, Anthony Johnson doesn't fight, Vitor just travels around. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Andre- just follow to like Hoof's gym or whatever? Oh yeah, that's probably it. Andre Touchy-Feely um, just real quick, um, I thought he kind of got dicked in his last fight. Personally, it was a close fight. He's getting better, but uh, I never walk out of his fights thinking this is anything better than maybe like a number ten ranked guy. But good win over Miles Jury. I don't know what my I don't know where Miles Jury's head's at at this point though. He uh, he's been back and it's not gone terribly well. Since he's been back. So you said uh, Feely's getting better. I, jury's getting worse, and I'm not sure why. I think Donald Cerrone kicked the will out of him. Like, that's... I don't know what's happened there. Um, my guy, Aljamain Sterling. Um, if he was going to win this fight, I did not have him just outstriking the motherfucker. Um, I missed most of this while driving. Marcus, did you catch this one? Or Steph, did you catch yeah. this one? Either one of you? Oh, Marcus, go I ahead. Thought. What what uh, what did Aljo do? Because shit, man. Big win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Alging, uh, to Sterling. Um, and I think it, it was kind of also just an off night for Jimmy Rivera, which he admitted between rounds two and three. He was just like, I'm not I'm not feeling it. I can't get into the groove. And it was a lot of um, Sterling just kind of picking him apart on the outside, using kicks, using his jab. And it was a lot of Jimmy kind of sitting back, waiting for that moment to materialize where he's going to be able to get Sterling in the pocket and throw punches. And that's never, I mean, Jimmy Rivera is always at his best when he creates that scenario, when he's putting pressure on guys, getting them against the cage, getting them in that phone booth, and then throwing those hard hooks to the body to open up the head. And he just wasn't able to utilize that at all. Um, Sterling was able to dictate the clinch, which I think, Bobby, you talked about earlier on. You thought that he, that was going to be a, a place where he was going to be able to kind of um, dictate the where the fight was going there. And I was on the outside. He was just using straight punches and low kicks to keep uh, Jimmy Rivera on the outside. And in that third round in between where he basically told his corner that like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not in my groove today. Um, He did a lot better in that third round. He started pushing the action more. He needed to push the pace. He needed to get um, Sterling against the fence, get him in the pocket and start throwing those hard punches to the body. But it just, it never, it never coalesced for him. This was a big um, fight for Sterling. And like you mentioned, Bob, you know, 
usually when Al Jermaine's at his best, it's when he is utilizing all his skills, which he was kind of able to. But I think he does his best work when he gets on top of a guy and is able to use some ground and pound, get the guys to try to squirm and scramble, and then catch them, catch their back, get them into choke or something. I think that's where um, Al Jermaine's at his best. He wasn't able to do that to Jimmy. Um, he was just able to kind of pick him apart. I mean, long, he has playing. long fucking reach, and he's finally learning how to use it after all these fights, it seems like, too. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I think maybe him and having Raging Al be fit and able to push him mm-hmm. is just making him better, too. Because you mentioned that last week, and seeing this fight, I was like, yeah, he seems confident. It seems like everything's just going his way, and I think a lot of it was Sterling just being at his best, and Jimmy just really not getting into gear until that third round. And even then, he didn't get that third round. You know, Aljamain was able to get that away from him, too, winning 30-27 across the board. But, um, yeah, it was, just, it was a good night for Sterling and just kind of a – an off timid performance from Rivera, uh, Jimmy Rivera, which we don't see. Usually he's been so good because he's been just in dudes' faces, throwing punches, and he just wasn't able to get there. Um, Mike, I think you and I are the only ones watching Luke Sanders and Henan Burrell, where I pretty much in the second round, at first round, Henan did really well. And it was pretty much live, like during while it was happening, I think I messaged, man, in this round, Henan Burrell is getting hit a lot mm. in the face. And then he was unconscious. He still looked good. He still looked good in the first round. I mean, he looked good. He showed up. He showed up three pounds over eight. Had nothing left in the second round. Um, the man. And I know there's all these jokes about like Dana White calling him number one pound for pound, but fuck, the guy didn't lose. Steph was it like thirty fights. Henry Brown didn't lose or some shit like that. He was really good when he was champion. I mean, when it's, he was thirty-two and one, TJ Rivera, TJ Dillashaw beat him like he stole something, and he's three and he's he's lost four in a row, six of seven. That's it. It's just a wall in sports, right? MMA, we don't tend to know what the timeline is. It, it varies. That's why I think fight mileage is more a better barometer than age most of the time. Um, cause like, look, like when the NFL, we see running backs at 30, right? You could be a superstar one year with 25 touchdowns. And then the next year your third string and you're getting cut and just getting picked up for like 10 day contracts or whatever. It eventually happens in MMA too. And I think that's just what we saw with Burrow. I we saw he, him he, be great. Gets... And then the wall came and that's it. That was the end of his athletic prime. I think once you get past like 30, 31 fights, it kind of looks like. I remember with Quinton, it was the same way. Once he got to like 30, 31 fights, that's when the wheels came off. And with him, you're like, well, he's even training. But I mean, I think even like once you get to around 30 fights, that's a lot of fucking fights, man. And especially the way like, I don't want to cast aspersions on Nova Unyao, but a lot of those dudes fell off the rails really quick, it seemed like, for a gym we knew a lot of guys in. Like now it's just Jose Aldo. Um, And Luke Sanders went out there, got a big win for himself because let me tell you, I don't think he's particularly good and uh he found a way to get it done um before we talk about bellator i just want to point out this ufc card they're putting on this weekend uh what the fuck i mean i guess it's at 11 a.m pacific time the main card and if i'm home i will watch tiago santos try to thump jan blockowitz but this isn't good at all like if they put you on this card and you're not from europe the ufc doesn't think highly of you. Do you think that's a good way of putting it, guys? I, I think if you thought that now that ESPN was part of the UFC machine, no more bad cards, 
It felt like that way in the first couple, right? The last couple cards have not been that well. Oof, I guess that pay-per-view wasn't very good. But uh, this, what I see in this card is business as usual. I mean, I, 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 I do like we're, co we're concentrating all the bullshit into one card, though. I appreciate it. Before we move off of that last card, can I put a feather in it? Because I've, I've seen some other articles pointing out an observation I had uh, uh, during this telecast. Go ahead, brother. Uh, Phoenix is one of the worst MMA crowds I have ever heard. What was that shit? Yeah, that was they terrible. They hated everything they booed everything even when good things were happening like i've, I've seen a lot a few people echo this and I, it was kind of my perception just kind of hearing the broadcast coming in through my tv but um for shame phoenix you do not deserve another card yeah that was trash i don't know what they were doing this was pretty good on paper too man i i mean there was a lot of iffy fights but overall i mean on paper this looked if i lived in phoenix i would happily go to this they got the Royal Rumble two weeks ago, and they got a UFC card right after that. Come. Did did they boo the Royal Rumble? I think they 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 liked Becky quite a bit. They didn't like Daniel Bryan. They booed Styles. the Royal Rumble because somehow they all got their hopes up that Kenny Omega was going to show up, but instead <laughs> it was Nia Jax. And boy, did the in, in fairness, like you guys didn't seem to enjoy that either. No, you know what? It got that. That was that no, was no one moment of that it. that was no funny. One, one moment of that was funny was when she was whooping ass, and then they showed Randy Orton looking like he was about to put her down, and I'm like, okay, I don't know why they made me laugh as much as it did. But yeah, here there's I a am. weird segment where like, are we supposed to cheer the four guys who just beat up the one woman? <laughs> like, is that this scenario we're faced with right now? That's a weird thing to watch. Um, Bellator happened. They had two cards. The one on Friday, Matt Mitrione kicked. I like that. There's a number of Bellator fights, heavyweight fights, Tefon, where it just ended because one guy got kicked in the dick. And between, it's happened so often. <laughs> between both of those main cards, there were not enough quality fights to fill an early prelim slot. Um, we almost, Bellator I, was a waste of MMA existence. I uh, remember Mike and I talked about like, hey, Mike, do you want to go to this and cover it? And we never did anything with it. Mike, aren't you happy we didn't push this thing any farther? Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. I think you would have raised your hand and asked Michael Page a question like, hey, man, how are you going to say this guy should retire and you got taken down by Paul Daly five times in a fight? And then Michael, then people will be like, wow, that guy's going to get beat up by Michael Page. Um, yeah, um, Amitrione kicked Sergey Karatanov in the dick on Friday night and Sergey got a hemorrhoid. And he almost. What was the Are thing? Are we sure it was a hemorrhoid? Can you even get a hemorrhoid from okay, a hemorrhoid? No, he got a hemorrhoid, hemorrhoid too. No, that like, this sounds like that. Uh, that Cain Velasquez. Hey, I got that in this injury. How can I write it off in my next? Isn't, you, you, isn't, you, isn't a hemorrhoid like something your in your butt? That's your butt. That's I mean, your butt, right? that's your squeezing I, I, too hard when you're trying to poop. I think the. I think he. They were saying that he lost himself at some point in there too. <laughs> he lost that, a hold of the grip. I don't the, know if exactly. The, kick to the groin. Gave him a hemorrhoid. It means he also shit himself. Like, uh, yeah, that's basically what I'm saying has happened here. Yes. It says that he they thought he ruptured his testicle, but it was just swollen, which I'm just envisioning just one big old, big old nut um, instead. Uh, so on Saturday, they put on a bunch of other fights, which I we mentioned at the top of the card how Tim Burke at Bloody Elbow kind of snapped in the middle of this thing. Because I don't know how Bellator decided to watch the UFC on Fox cards and decide what we're missing is dragging this thing out. And the fact that they're dragging it out on a fucking subscription service is insanity to me. They got through five fights in three hours. And one of them finished in the first round. So what the fuck? Um, Michael Page. I'm pretty critical of Michael Page. And this fight did nothing to change that. Because... 
he doesn't know what to do if you don't go forward on him. And Paul Daly watched the same fight Mark and I went to, which Marcus, I believe the guy's name was something Gonzalez. Do you remember that guy? That he decided he didn't care how much anybody booed. Something Sanchez, he, I can't remember. But he decided, I'm not going forward. I'm not going to let this dude style on me with counter-striking. And Michael Page didn't know what to do. And now it's three fights later, and Michael Page still doesn't know what to do. Paul Daly started putting pressure on him because I think he got sick of getting booed. But Michael Page got taken down by Paul Daly a bunch. And my takeaway from this one, Steph, was Michael Page's ceiling is Paul Daly. Um, yeah, this fight was essentially the worst-case scenario for both fighters. Um, it's embarrassing for Paul Daly with the amount of shit he talked at how quickly he folded at striking. Um, and he realized he wanted no part of it and how much, uh, Michael Page got taken down by a famously bad grappler. What it was so there, bad. there are three things Paul Daly is known for. He's known for hitting hard. He's known for doing the sucker punch at Josh Koscheck, and he's known for being so horrible at wrestling. Uh, well, I, and, I, I mean, what made it funny for me the most was I think he's most known for complaining about dudes laying on top of him. He started he booing. Like, he was booing John Fitch in the middle of the fight. He started okay, going okay, boo. That, to be fair, that's an extension of my argument. That's the color to what that third point is. But it, it stands like this is the worst case scenario for them. That's that to an extent. It's not that Paul Daly should necessarily retire, but it's what does he want to do this for? It's just a paycheck. There's no, there's no, there's no goal. For he wants out. Of, he wants out of his contract, and Bellator won't let him out. That's um, been like that I mean, for a if, few fights. If now. there's ever someone who you could call an old school fighter, yeah, Paul Daly is an old school English fighter like you used to read about from 2008. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And Michael Page, like he starts talking shit after that fight, and it was his performance sucked. Let's not. Let's be clear about it. I thought he won. Because Paul Daly somehow almost got choked at one point by Michael Page. But that was a garbage performance by Michael Page. Like, well, what, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to say, oh, man, that shit sucked? No, man. Bobby, have you ever heard, read this little book called The Secret? Man, we all you saw that fight. Things into existence. No, that was garbage. He's honestly, I think Douglas Lima, if Douglas Lima fights a halfway smart fight. Let me tell you, Douglas Lima will take him down and choke him out. Marcus, Douglas Lima will take his ass down and choke him out. And it won't be that hard for him to do so unless he does some dumb shit like diving into a knee or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I mean, my big takeaway was really just, I mean, look, I've watched Paul Daly fight for a decade. Dude always complains about Grimm wrestled, talks about how no one's got the fucking balls to stand with them. So I'm watching this first round. I'm like, all right, Paul, he's got you against the cage. What the fuck are you going to do? And it was a bunch of nothing for about two rounds. And then it was, oh, yeah, let you know that playbook all these fuckers use on me? Bam! How are you like it, Michael Page? I'm going to take you down and lay on top of you. And then, I i mean, really, I think Steph um, painted a better picture where it was like it was, the, it was the worst scenario for both of them. But I was just so fixated with, man, this guy has to suck so much balls for Paul Daly. He complains his whole career about all these dudes wrestling him to death and getting these boring decisions. And then he's finally like, well, fuck, now I know what they feel like. I don't want to stand with this fucker. He's going to fucking kill me. And then he does it, and he can't even get the goddamn win. He's like, what do I have to do? I can't win if I'm getting laid on. I can't win if I'm laying on top. Uh, to be fair, I, I did think, um, you know, it wasn't like you said, Bobby, um, when you look at the rest of the field that um, Michael Page is in, there's a lot of dudes that are significantly better grapplers than Paul Daly is. And if Paul Daly was able just to bum rush double underhook takedowns, the Douglas Lima's the, um, Oh, my, uh, Roy's going to kill him. 
yeah, holy like, shit, Rory's gonna the, murder the him. World <laughs> of those guys are gonna be huge problems for Michael Page. I mean, he'll have to catch them coming in, but that's a you know a millisecond that he has of an opportunity to try to catch a flying knee before he's taken down and beaten severely, especially with a guy like Rory McDonald, who is really good at taking you down and beating the crap out of you. I pick John uh, Fitch over Paul over Michael Page right now. I'm just putting it out there. Oh no, I, I think I think stylistically, any wrestler is gonna give him a lot of trouble. Um, if but for really at the end of the day for me, it was just like man, like. Paul Daly did the thing he complained about his whole career and it still didn't work for him. And I just felt really bad. It was, yeah, that was rough. But I mean, at the same time, like we've seen Michael Page and when guys aren't willing to engage, he's not really the best guy to lead the dance. But I mean, at the same time, like if you're going to hang back and let Michael Page take center of the octagon, you're going to circle out. You're going to lose those rounds, dude. Like it could be boring as fuck. But if dude is, is pushing you against the cage, not even physically, just his presence is, you're not going to win those rounds. So Time to nut up and take the guy down. Yeah, I, or I mean, the, I thought the scorecard was accurate, to be honest. Well, honestly, it seems like a lot of the majority of the fans thought Paul Daly won, but they're wrong. Um, I, I Paul Daly won. Two, Paul Daly won two rounds. He and, and he, he did the smart thing, which I think Czech Congo kind of did to, to kind of steal some rounds away too. Like he exploded toward the towards the end, and at the end of these rounds, like he might have been on bottom for three minutes, but the last minute and a half, it was him on top, like really throwing shit. And, 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 you know, not to take too much away from Paul Daly. He wasn't just laying on this dude too. We talked about it earlier today. There was one point where he was in that quarter mount position where his legs were kind of outstretched and Paul Daly was on top throwing fucking hammers, trying to get it done. Um, but ultimately he just didn't have the grappling aptitude to keep Michael page on his back and put him in bad positions and ultimately finish the fight. Um, we just saw two guys that weren't that great at grappling, and Michael Page was just able to get the top position at the end of the round, throw some heavier strikes, and, and steal these rounds away from Paul Daly. And otherwise, when they were just standing, you know, neither guy was really. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like much. round four was the one people have contended was the close round, which it was the closest round because Page won the first round because Paul Bailey did Daly did nothing, and then Michael Page got taken down like a bum for two rounds by Paul Daly. I then he got taken. The first round was questionable because that was some 10 10 non Nothing happened. From either nothing side. happened in that That, that was, was a 10 10 round to me. Um, I'm just going to read what Tim Burke wrote because I don't want to talk about the rest of this shitty card. Because um, honestly, this guy lost it. It's still the funniest part for me. As he said, Stop wasting my time with your bullshit, Bellator. Three hours for five fights is unacceptable in 2019. Making Goldie and Big John try to equate a four time NCAA wrestler with a Romanian national champion for 15 minutes is pathetic and is an insult to the audience you apparently care about. I don't even know what he's talking about there. Um, having anything to say, anything to say about drug testing and then trotting out action figure Mirko Krokop at 109 years old, looking like a Croatian God is even worse. <laughs> Come on, man. You can do better. Be better. Yeah. This was trash. Bellator do better. Um, you know what? To, to be fair, like why are you hate on, why they hate on Krokop? I mean, I don't even care Krokop about, I mean, they're looking like, yeah, Bellator shouldn't be talking about drug No, they started testing. hyping up that he took, he passed some random ass drug test. I'm well, like, fuck is, you. Yeah, we'll like, fuck you. <laughs> but really, it's like, I have a hard time, like, this dude just, like, taking his pants off and shitting on Bell. It's like, UFC does the same shit, bro. Like, I just watched a card where I had to watch the same fucking commercials over and over again. They're both, they're both complicit. I have a hard time for him just being like, fuck Bellator. You should know, but it's like, Dude, the biggest organization does the same shit where I have to wait. A fight can finish in 20 seconds. Why do I ever? I don't care if, and I, I get why. They're on TV. They have advertising they need to fill out. They have a time slot they need to fill out. But as a fan, I don't like it when Bellator does it. I don't fucking like it when UFC does it. They don't get any passes from me. I don't want to spend 30 minutes waiting for the next fight. I don't give a fuck. Get me out of here already. In fairness, I do feel it's gotten... Well, I thought honestly it, they it, it did I, pretty well. They, they did really well on the ESPN Plus cards. The fight ended, next fight started. 
Well, it, I know next it, fight's it, it's not that though, Bobby, because I was watching, and that's the only thing I give a fuck about. Is like, when is the next fight happening? Not and ESPN. What, I'm talking about the ESPN Plus ones. I'm talking about ESPN ago. Plus too. What they did that was better was instead of going back to the desk and having two idiots talk for 15 minutes, they had video packages. I'd rather watch a video package hyping up the next fight or an extended video package hyping up the next big pay-per-view that is having two people talk about the fight I just saw. I was like, I just saw the fucking fight. You don't need to break it down for me. I'm not an idiot. But you have a video package where you're talking about the next two fighters, getting me amped for that. That's a better use of my time than just spitting it back to the board. But look, we just watched a UFC event where they're like, hey, Megan, Olivia, or whatever the fuck her name is, why don't you go in the octagon and talk about how these two guys are about to jump in here and really have a scrap at it. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Just show me the fight. So I don't, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, you can show on Bellator. They're an easy target, but it's like, you're looking at like the little brother and being like, why aren't you more mature than your shitty big brother who does the same shit you're doing right now? I'm like, dude, both ends, man. He's just parent of the year. Um, next week, this weekend, um, in addition to the UFC's random card in Croatia, Bellator thought they could make it worse. With uh, I like James Gallagher. He's an interesting prospect, but I don't know anybody else on this card. So you don't need guys need to watch that either. There's no MMA worth watching this weekend at all. I don't know. Watch some other shit. Um, I got uh, recommendations, baby. Yeah, let's do stuff we like. Let's get you going on here. Um, I'm going to go here uh, first. And Stefan was talking about a storyline and him getting into this um, fucking uh, Anthony Smith thing. And I don't, and for me, and this is, my, you know, I just do the pro wrestling minute at this point. I didn't know it was possible for me to get so invested in good guy, bad guy. But I got, like, emotional watching Kofi Kingston try to take that belt off Daniel Bryan, knowing damn well if it was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen on some show called Elimination Chamber on, you know, a random Sunday in February. Like, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen in Mania. But, Seth, did you watch this? Ma- did you watch that match at all? I did. I did see most of the Elimination Chamber. I had a thing I was going to, a couple things I was going to thumbs up from that. But I saw this match. I knew what you are talking about. Uh, my understanding, it was supposed to be that Mustafa Ali's guy's spot. Mm. But since... uh. Orton accidentally kicked him in the eye socket, um, and he's massively concussed. concussed. Uh, yep. Kofi got the spot. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't watch Kofi in his heyday prime, but I was kind of aware because that was around the CM Punk time. He's a super, <laughs> super good worker. He's a guy who, if he was like an indie wrestler, he'd probably command a following like an AJ Styles, like a Finn Balor did. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the same personality of like a Kenny Omega, but like in terms of just his wrestling skills, his physical athleticism... I, I, he's kind of been reduced to just being like his annual. How does I he not get eliminated from the Royal Rumble spot? Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I think this kind of match allowed him everyone to remind. Oh yeah, this guy's really fucking talented. He, if you use him, you know what's interesting? Also, they um because I've been like paying attention because I mean I, him his heyday is really when we kind of stopped watching more or less, and um all like his like his teammates uh, Woods and Big E and all the other African American um wrestlers talk about how kofi's a legend and at first i was like really and then i thought about it i'm like he kind of is man like he's got an 11 year run with that company and it's not lost on me and i don't think it's lost on you steph that they've never had the wwf championship and i'm not talking about the big gold belt Uh, they've never had the title held by a black wrestler the only one i was just thinking that yesterday the rock is the only one but honestly He's part of the family. He's part is of the. It, is it like how our first black president was half? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, no. Are you saying the Rock doesn't count as a black? No, dude? Rock is black, but 
the Vince no, McMahon. I was say, is that where we're leaving off? Because he's half Samoan. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not saying he's more like it's a not Samoan. Be, than he's him. not because he's half Samoan. It's because he's part of the Anawai family, and like seven members of that family have held the WWF championship. You know, Yoko held it. Fucking Roman held it. Wrestling royalty. There's Booker T, and I'm just getting really in in the weeds here. Booker T held the big gold belt in the WWF. I mean, in 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 WWE. He so did fucking Mark Henry. Okay. There's never been black heavy. I'm talking whatever you want to technically. And The Rock also is, by the way, Canadian, African Canadian, not African American. If that means a difference, I'm getting really into weeds here. But I did. Booker T never held that title. Mark Henry never held that title. Fucking uh, Ron Simmons never held that title. Vince never, he didn't give it to JYD. I don't know if JYD deserved it, but I'm making a point here. Kofi Kingston holding that title is something they have fallen ass backwards into, Stefan. And if they can run this shit into Mania, because Daniel Bryan is no one to wrestle anyway. Um, Just to make sure, you just mentioned that The Rock technically is, what was it, Canadian or, or something? His, his pops is Canadian, African-Canadian. Kofi Kingston. Are we sure he's American and not yes. Jamaican? That's I mean, his point. last name sounds. That's Jamaican. a good point. I think he's actually. I, I, I mean, he's not really Jamaican. He's not. Last, he's I not Jamaican. That, I gotta believe that's not his real. Yeah, name. He, he's he's Jafakin. That's what they used to say about oh, Kofi. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he's from Ghana. Actually, well, I mean, wrong. he didn't win though, right? No, no. Honestly, okay. I mean, it was. If anybody's not familiar with that uh, elimination chamber match. It's kind of a weird ass fucking match where two guys start. There's four dudes locked in cages. They get in one at a time. Um, they all get eliminated one at a time. Steph, I think him and DB had about 15 minutes to just go to work on each other at the end of it, right? Pretty much. And yeah, they, they eliminated everyone fast. Um, I was disappointed at how easily and how quickly Samoa Joe went out because that's the guy I'm always pulling for. God, um, fucking Samoa Joe. You I know what? If, if, he was part of, if he was part of the family, they would have given Joe the title. I had a, I had a thought. It's a little, you keep saying in the weeds, but this was kind of between me and Mark. Is uh, before, like when Joe was still down in um, NXT, we had like, I think WWE 16, me and Mark. And then we were looking for a Samoa Joe to download. And then Mark kept saying his only complaint about the C8, like all the created wrestlers of Samoa Joe. He's like, ah, Joe's not that fat, you know. But now when I see Samoa Joe, I'm like, Samoa Joe's that fat now. Samoa like, Joe is that fat. He's that fat now. But uh, I love the dude. Um, but yeah, you let the guy work. And that's kind of what the big critique is on the WWE in general is they very rarely let these guys work who have the capacity to work and that why is AEW why are all the indie wrestlers guys the buzz is there's a clamoring for these 20 minute 30 minute matches that used to exist more so in the 90s but kind of disappeared in the 2000s with the WWE um, but it doesn't mean they're not capable of it and yeah he really had that time to shine it seems like um, since our time the number of casual fans have gone down but what people say is that the number of hardcore fans has gone up and they all spend far more money than any of us ever did on wrestling. So it's very much an industry pro it's almost like MMA fans, I think, at this point, where it's everybody, if you're into it, you're really fucking into it. And WWE is just seeking out that imaginary person, or maybe they exist, who's just like, I'm gonna watch Ronda wrestle this month at Mania, and maybe I'll forget I own the network for three months and you'll get thirty bucks from me. It's like hockey has always that's always been my view of hockey yeah. in this country is if you don't love love it, you don't care. But if you love it, boy, do you love it. Yeah, man. It's. Just, I think it's... Anyway, um, I thought it was... I saw most of the cards, Steph. I thought it was 
the pretty much all of it was okay, and the main event was great. I thought. What did you um, think? I thought the Iconics had the best moment of the whole thing when they did their little <laughs> pose after they got their one successful pin. Yeah. Uh, I hate. I hate that my favorite women's tag team is a jobber tag team, but that's just the way it did goes. You, did you like um, when they were tr- when they got they were trying to they did their hand thing towards Nia Jax and Nia slapped it and slammed the glass and they both shit their pants. That was hilarious. <laughs> I uh, got a laugh. I listened to uh, one of the Wrestle Talk guys uh, do a like a little video post about in his. Re- recap of this event and he pointed something out that i just never thought of but it made me laugh he's he was saying that nia jacks like all uh pro wrestling monsters such as you know uh braun Strowman, like the uh, big show or whatever it's like once they start running at something they cannot course correct and that's nope, just that's, that's a trope <laughs> of pro wrestling monsters it's once they come charging they have to just go through the door or the fence because when the person moves like three seconds early like they're like oh no stopping i'm already on this trajectory she cr- she crushed that fucking thing, man. Yeah, she, she did. Went it, it, she went through it hard enough to make me wonder, like, is she real hurt? I think she might be real hurt. Like, yeah. Um, and then props to, uh, I mean, she's getting a lot of flack from the pro wrestling crowd, so f them for this. But uh, Ronda coming out dressed as Sonya Blade. Uh, that was awesome. Thing, um, you know, was part of why I like Kenny. I'm a sucker for people who want to do video game references. Uh, I love it when that thing I like references that other thing I like. So Ronda coming out because she voices uh, Sonya Blade in the uh, upcoming Mortal Kombat is my understanding. So um, I think on the broadcast they miscalled her, but it's because there was right. there was Sonya Deville in that match. So yeah, that sounds about <laughs> they're right. like Ronda that sounds is about right. Sonya Deville in the in the upcoming game, and I was like, way to go! This sounds bad. This sounds wrong. Did but, you catch um, Ronda bleeding out the side of her fucking head? Because like she was trying to flop around while Becky Lynch was hitting her with crutches, and she caught one on the side of the head and started bleeding. I didn't catch that. Wait, is that an actual injury or like? It looked like. I mean, it looked like. Injury. It looked like. No, she started bleeding. She got. A, she got because she was flopping around like a fish, and Becky was trying to hit her with a crutch, and it's not an exact science. So there you go, and she got cracked across the head. It looked like. Well, <laughs> gotta have that little bit of realism. I don't understand why people people should appreciate Ronda as a pro wrestler. I think sure someone has been doing it for ten months. She's insanely good at it it's some kurt angle shit right there um that's all i had i watched a bunch of wrestling um that was really it um steph what do you got um yeah i watched that too it was a busy viewing weekend um overwatch league season two has started back up um i'm really into it the san francisco team added a bunch of koreans and now they look like they're really good and they're gonna contend this year um i was talking to you guys a little bit before i saw uh, alita battle angel um produced by james cameron uh directed by robert rodriguez um i have complaints about it i'm not saying it's a perfect movie but did it blow my expectations out of the water absolutely um visually fantastic some of the best cg i think that's ever been done they really had to there's a lot of cyborgs in this city so you have to mix a lot of these robotic body parts but i thought it looked great throughout um fantastic world building that's what i really want to give this movie props for it's a movie that made me want to know more about the world that it takes place in um it feels like a very lived in world so i love those kind of stories that can make you kind of get into the universe that the characters occupy not just follow these characters um there's some corny stuff it's a movie so there's just plot lines that get kind of rushed i never read the manga i never watched the anime um, so I don't know the history of it super well, but um, as far as I can tell, it's the, without question, it's the greatest anime manga to live action adaptation I've ever seen by far. Um, but, you know, when I heard James Cameron was attached to it, that's kind of why I had any interest at all. He's a guy who puts in work. 
he puts in money, you know, at the very least, you know, even though people didn't love, you know, people had bad feelings about Avatar, you can't question that it didn't push forward the CGI 3D camera technology, like, leaps forward just due to his investments but um i really recommend that um and then i want to close on i think mark's a little further than i am so i'll pass it off to him if he wants to talk about more i'm two episodes into the umbrella academy and i really really like it so far um it's a comic that was written by gerard way um and if that name is familiar to you it's because he was the front man of one of my favorite not embarrassed even a little bit to say like emo high school bands that i loved uh, my chemical romance I absolutely love that band, and I can still listen to them to this day. Um, they but, had uh, Helena, right? I remember that song. Yeah. That, was their, that was them, right? Yeah, that was, the, that was one of their big hits. That um, was a good tune, man. Good song. <laughs> and yeah, he after the band kind of uh, went separate ways, he got into making comic books, and I'd always heard about it. I think he's won awards. Um, Mark might know this better than I, but uh, yeah, I'm two episodes in, and I'm, I'm captivated on the world building on this, too. Uh, Michael. Yeah, so for me, not too much. More like I am. I rediscovered a show this week. I started to get back into watching Gotham. Uh, Gotham is currently on. It's a fucking bonker show, man. That show is off the chain, ridiculous. (laughs) It makes. I I bailed a while ago, and it was. I felt I didn't. I mean, I don't do the right drugs to watch bonk to watch fucking (laughs) Gotham. Okay, they. I do not do the right. It's, it makes no sense. There's like 45 jokers. What the fuck's going on on that show? <laughs> well, uh, in my case, I'm only on Joker number two. I'm just looking at trailers. Okay, <laughs> it makes no sense. They can't call any of them Joker. <laughs> no, no, they can't. <laughs> one that of show makes called, no sense. <laughs> the first one was called Jerome. Yeah, no, the I show mean, is. Come on. Yo, again, whoever writes that show is just get some peyote. Okay, watches Batman animated series and just starts drawing lines between oh, characters. <laughs> although I will say the guy who played Jerome, aka uh, Proto Joker, he was actually really good. It was the kid from um, Shameless. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was really good. I I, I saw enough of him. I th- I just thought I'm like, well, that's Joker. Sorry to I jumped in the middle of your shit, but no, the la- no, no, also the lady play- the lady playing who was sp- I thought was Barbara Gordon. Uh, Barbara Keen. Yeah, goddamn. Just want to say that. It'd be a little God weird damn. if she was Barbara Gordon and, you know, James Gordon was stooping her. That'd be yeah. a little weird. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that, I mean, it's not the name of his wife, though. Isn't her name Barbara, too? I don't know. Uh, Stefan, no what's, what's the name of James Gordon's wife? It's Barbara. It, it's Barbara. Yeah. Okay. Thank uh, you. Is it Barbara? Yeah. But I think in this new cinematic universe, her name is probably Martha. Everybody's Martha. That's a good point. That's a good joke. <laughs> Uh, but no, but the show I think is currently on its fifth and final season on Fox. But I was all the way back at the uh, beginning of season two, so I've basically spent the last week just uh, binge watching um, season two. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not bad. Get on I like that a- Umbrella Academy, Mike. I like uh, uh, Alfred on that show. Is just like. Not even a little bit proper. He's just like no. he's like a, he's like a catch these hands soccer hooligan. <laughs> <laughs> like the show is ridiculous, man. I can't emphasize that enough. I had to I mean, stop. I'm like I can't follow this. <laughs> I mean, James Gordon is 
He's supposed to be like an uphold, like you know, uphold the law kind of cop, and like mm. pretty much every other no. is that bad. <laughs> no, in this show, James Gordon is fucking Harvey Bullock, but yeah, much he is just, so goddamn corrupt. Yeah, man, he's just icing motherfuckers. Just he's banging some doctor. I remember at one point, look, show yeah. Look, it's spoiler alert. I'm on season two. This is like three seasons ago. In this, in the season I saw, he killed the dude in cold blood so that he could get his job back. Yeah, I watched that shit. I saw that. And you guys, then, I, and I'm then not. he decided to ice the goddamn, you know, the 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 mayor as well. Yeah, you know what, Mike? I might start watching the show again. I think I might be at that point in my life. I, think, I, can, I, I can do this. I think this is just a realistic lesson that, you know, those in power get to rewrite history, right? They get to clean up the story of how they got there and what philosophy. I'm wondering five, season in, if five, five seasons in if Bruce Wayne learned how to throw some hands yet, man, if he's Batman. That's my uh, curiosity at this point. The, the other thing, speaking about Bruce Wayne, is that this show is for sure getting that Smallville problem where it's like, Okay, how is it all of these people don't know that the first time Bruce Wade puts out a mask, it's like, yo, bro, that ain't bad, man. That's Bruce, that's you. <laughs> like, that's I, you, th bro. I know at one point they recast, like, a, there was like an eight year old, 10 year old, maybe like a 10 year old, 12 year old girl playing Poison Ivy. And they recast her to like, they, they moved her age up like eight years and put some like 20 year old redhead smoke show playing Poison Ivy at some point. So okay. Fox ran out of, they, they don't even give a shit for the show to make sense at this point. <laughs> they don't care. Um, is this Hulu? No, it's on Netflix, bro. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm going to have to get caught up on this too. I'm, I think I watched the first two and a half maybe seasons. Um, all right, Marcus, um, what do we got going on this week? Any game news? Yeah, um, big one this week, at least the one I'm excited for. Um, Anthem from Bioware is coming out on Friday. Uh, depending if you had the EA Access special monthly subscription thing, um, you could have started playing it on this last Friday. I didn't mention it a couple weeks ago. I think it was actually the show that we ended up skipping because we all kind of fell ill. Um, they had a beta for Anthem a couple weeks ago. Uh, I jumped into that and, uh, you know, put some good hours in there, and I had a lot of fun. Um, the game's kind of getting slammed. Uh, a lot of people have kind of turned on Bioware in the last couple of years. A lot of people were pissed off with the Mass Effect 3 ending, and then the last Mass Effect Andromeda just kind of got panned for bad animation and a lot of that stuff. And a lot, a lot of stuff I'm reading online, people are kind of already... Um, judging Anthem, I feel a little harshly. Um, what I played, I really enjoyed. Um, if you're not too familiar, it is a kind of games-as-a-service type of game, like your Destinies, where they expect you to get a lot of mileage. You're going to be replaying missions over again, getting better loot. Um, the, the hook on Anthem that makes it more enjoyable for me, it's third person instead of first person. I tend to enjoy that uh, viewpoint in my shooters a little bit more. And instead of just being some guy, you're kind of in what they call javelins, but they're just fucking Iron Man suits. You're in these little mech suits with guns and rocket launchers and all this cool shit. And um, yeah, playing with a couple friends. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I am looking forward to putting some time into Anthem. Um, and then, like Steph mentioned, there's been a couple Netflix show that um, net Netflix shows that have been getting a lot of attention um, that I tried out a little bit. Um, I've been watching me and Christina have been watching a lot of the uh, Umbrella Academy. Like Steph mentioned before, I really recommend it. I'm probably seven or eight episodes in, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think a lot of people do kind of compare it with the other um, Marvel shows that they had previously. I 
personally have been enjoying the Umbrella Academy a lot more than I would say probably all the Marvel shows, to be honest. Um, when I think back to watching even the, the best of the best, the Daredevils and Jessica Jones, there's just a lot of scenes in those those Marvel Netflix shows that I just don't give a fuck what they're talking about. It's just like, here's the two lawyer people talking about what the fuck ever for 10 minutes. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what you're talking about at all in this scene. This scene is complete garbage to me. Let's move on to maybe when you put a mask on, you start punching some fools. And um, the Umbrella Academy, while it's not all action all the time, I'm just more engaged in the story. And the beats that they're hitting remind me a lot of uh, House on Haunted Hill, where a lot of it is they throw you in. You don't have all the information. Hill House, He's, Mark. Hill You're recommending, House, the, bad, oh, you're recommending I, the bad movie. I, that, that's such a bad title. That's why, because I keep getting confused. But what both shows do is they have a big, juicy plot that they slowly reveal episode after episode. And they reveal things not necessarily in the order that you would want to hear them. Like, there's a character that's like, wait, there's supposed to be seven of them. Where the fuck's this other person? And they don't really reveal that until much later about what happens to some of the characters. And that keeps me engaged because um, even maybe when some scenes aren't landing for me, they're hinting at things that I don't know about yet in the story, and I'm intrigued about where they're going. Um, I also think this is a one of those shows where you're going to see a lot of actors and be like, fuck, where do I know that guy from? I recognize that person. Um, and one of the ones that uh, Christine pointed out... Is the like, Game of Thrones guy? That was one of them, because she watched another show, and she's like, I know that guy. And I was like, I know this guy, too. And then we read his IMDb, and he was like, he was some knight in Game of Thrones. I was he like, was, oh, yes. He was dick on Tarly. Yeah, I mean, he did not have a lot of speaking scenes. But um, the one that I'm really, I mean, and Ellen Page is the mainstay. That's the one everyone's going to know. Um, one of the kind of side characters named Hazel, this guy, Cameron Britton, he also played, um, uh, it's like Edmund Kemper in Mindhunters. And this dude just has a fucking screen presence. Do you know who I'm talking about? Hazel. He's one of like the time traveling kind of cop people stuff. He's the big guy with Mary J. Blige. Okay, I was gonna say that's. I figured that's who Mary you J. Blige. And I was gonna say to to, to Bobby what? and Mike's listening taste. Mary J. Blige is in this as like a special agent. Hey, <laughs> real quick, you guys have been talking about this for a few weeks, so I Google. This is, I mean, Umbrella Academy. So honestly, my first thought was before you. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, does this have something to do with Resident Evil? I yeah, thought I that too. Okay. Because it literally came out the same week as the fucking game. So I like I Googled that. And what I did learn is that a Resident Evil TV show is coming to Netflix. This I know, isn't it, <laughs> and it's based off the stupid movies, which are so But isn't uh, isn't Paul Anderson directing it, or is that or is it the shitty? I think Paul? he's there's like two, it's like there's two Paul Andersons. There's a good one like, and a shitty one. Well, they're like basing it off the movies, and I was like, well, those movies were so bad. Why? Whatever. Yeah, I, like, dude, they made like six of those movies, man. They made like six of those movies. They made money. Apparently, they made enough money, but they weren't good movies. Is it the but... most successful video game movie franchise? Probably. There's a lot of movies. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, probably. Um, but just to get back to Umbrella Academy, I mean, like you, Bobby, it was just it was just one of these shows that kept popping up on all the sites I go to. Like IGN kept talking about it, and then um, I think it it came out last Friday, and I was on YouTube, and they did a review of it, and I was like, you know, what? I don't know anything about this fucking show. Um, and I watched the review, and I was like, it was very positive, and I was like, this sounds really cool. Jumped in, gave it a shot, and I've really been enjoying it. Um, the other one that is just another show that. The last couple weeks seems to be on everyone's tongue is the Russian doll on Netflix as well. And again, another show I kept hearing things about, didn't know what it was about. Um, and then, you know, when I went to watch Umbrella Academy, you know, Netflix is so they're so generous and convenient where they you pop in and they're like, how about this little trailer? Watch this little trailer about this show. And I watched the trailer for Russian doll and in about 20 seconds. They basically say like, hey, 
Remember uh, Groundhog's Day? What if we did that again? I was like, fuck yeah, I'm totally done for more Groundhog's Day. Um, except this is dealing with, um, and there's some things about Russian Doll in the first episode. It did The first episode did not grab me, like where I was just like, oh, I have to watch more of this. It definitely intrigued me, um, but they, they did a couple things where I'm like, just for Mark, things are like, mm, you're not doing a good job of this. And one of them is the main character is, um, I can't remember her name. She's like a female comedian. But she's kind of raunchy and kind of... It's Natasha Leone, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, Natasha Leone. And maybe you don't know she's her... She's from uh, American Pie and more recently Orange is the New Black. Yeah, and, oh yeah, yeah. And she's kind of... She's always pl- kind of played like kind of a skeezy character. She's kind of like, whatever. And she, ha- you know, she smokes a lot in the show. She has a very raspy voice. And the, the little stupid thing that most people that watch the show won't even give two shits about is probably not even touched that much in the show. But she's supposed to be like a software engineer for video games. And there's this one scene where she's like working on this like a wireframe animation. I'm just like, no, just get away from this. I'm too close to this profession and know how it's supposed to work that you can't mime it to me and make me feel like, oh, yeah, it's just like grandma's boy. Totally realistic. Um, But ultimately, yeah, it's just about she keeps reliving the same part of the day. And except unlike Groundhog's Day, she ends up dying. And that's what restarts the cycle. Um, I'm an episode in, so I'm not deep. Everything I've heard is just like 10, 10, best show, so great. So I'm definitely going to see it through. Um, but for me personally, you know, I like my action. I like my uh, my kind of superhero shows. So Umbrella Academy has kind of been taking the lion's share of my um, entertaining viewing time. But I'm definitely going to jump back into Russian Doll. And, you know, it's nice. A couple of good shows on Netflix, you know, they spew out a lot of stuff. And it's, it's honestly, I'm not even going to say it's all bad or good. It's just, it's so much. It's kind of hard to... It used to be that we're like, we used to know, like, it's a Netflix show. It's probably going to be good. Now it's just like, we don't know. When they first started, it was like, oh, these guys can do no wrong. Well, the first one wrong was fucking House of Cards, which I remember the first episode of House of Cards when it was over. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, Jesus Christ, that was incredible. Yeah, and now it's just, there's so many shows, and they're not all great, you know. But like we mentioned, you know, throughout, you know, they're going to release 20 shows, and three or four of them are going to be, you know, really worth your time. And then maybe some of those other ones, if you're interested. I mean, that's better than network TV. No, and I agree. Mm. And I think, you know, the Umbrella Academy has been fantastic. I really like The Haunting of Hill House. (laughs) I got that right stuff on, I fuck it up again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they, they 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 do hit good stuff, and I think you know it's the whole point of this segment is to kind of you know shed a light on those shows that we were really enjoying. And um, guys, I can't really tell you how disappointed enough I was when I just went on the Umbrella Academy webs uh, the, the Wikipedia page for the show, and the showrunner's name is Steve Blackman, and it's not that Steve. Dude, Blackman. yeah, oh, man. oh my god, how good would that have been? How was, man, <laughs> this actually, be, that was this was funny for like ten people by the way. It was but, Bobby, <laughs> and I had planned to make this joke, and I forgot about it. I oh remember, my god, I, I was I so wrote excited. A little note. <laughs> no, next to my iPad, like his showrunner is Steve Blackman. Yeah, because like, I'm going to talk about the uh, great wrestling lesson. He's a major but, part of the credits. Every episode you're watching credits, it says like I think I think his like title is adapted to TV by yeah, Steve Blackman and Bobby. You know me and Stefan are like. There's no way. That dude was way too square to make a show. Like dude, this. he's a bail bondsman now. You can watch his commercials on YouTube. Just putting that out there. Oh yeah, this this by the way, Steve Blackman was a wrestler from the late nineties that Mark and Stefan and I really liked. He wasn't so much a wrestler as a guy who carried sticks and he would kick people that he hit was him like with a said martial sticks. Artist yeah, I was, I was wondering wrestling, so he didn't Blackman really was. learn a moveset. 
Um, yeah, you know, Steve Blackman's peak was when he beat the shit out of Shane McMahon, and Shane McMahon fell like 40 feet. On let's top. just be honest. There's always, in pro wrestling, there's always a tangibly generic wrestler that fans just gravitate to for some reason or another. And it's not that everyone does it. Just everyone has their own fans. We were fans yeah. of Steve Blackman. Yeah, by the way, if you want a good story, you look about the time that uh, Bradshaw, who was a bit of a twat, um, decided he was going to bully Steve Blackman, you know, like the way he does. And Steve Blackman told him he was going to uh, break his fucking face. And Bradshaw tried to apologize, and Steve Blackman said no, and punched him in the fucking face. <laughs> okay, so that's a good story. Um, Marcus, you have anything else? I uh, know that was it. Russian Doll, mostly the Umbrella Umbrella Academy. You really can't recommend that one enough. Um, and then Anthem. You know, if you like your your shooters that are supposed to last you years and years, um, Anthem was re- I really enjoyed my time with it, and I look forward to spending more time with it. Right on. All right, boys and girls. Uh, somehow this still went as long as it does, but I realize this is just the length of podcast we're capable of at this point. We'll be back next week where Stefan, I'm picking, I'm picking Stefan as the one who's going to pick Anthony Smith to beat John Jones. I mean, um, if what there's I'm, anybody who's going to do it, you know, that's my mantle. Real quick. Do you, do any of you guys see you taking, uh, Kamara Usman taking on the better version of Kamara Usman? I'm more that's likely a, to. I'm more likely to pick um, Anthony Smith than Usman. Honestly, it's like, that does not make sense. I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know shit about Pokemon, but I'm gonna try to put it in these terms a little bit. What is it? Like, there's like th- what's like the three levels of uh, of the fucking fire breather Char- uh, Charizard, Charmander, yeah. Charmeleon, and then Charizard. So Charizard is T Wood. Okay, what's the middle one called? Charmeleon. Charmeleon. I think that's where Usman's at. That's where I'm at with Usman. Okay, what do you guys think? You can't give us, you can't give us three tiers and not give us the last tier. Uh, Anthony McKee is uh, Charmander. Okay, okay. Oh, hey, what's it, AJ McKee? He's, AJ he's, 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 a, he's getting close. He's, a, he's next to there, man. The, the, the one who's the dad who went like undefeated forever yeah, and then he had one. How, how is he the lowest level? Because <laughs> he's not he, really good. He never evolved? He never evolved? No, he got to the UFC. He did not, Bobby. That dude got to the UFC. He did not evolve. He they gave him one Charmander. fight. They gave him one fight. He lost to Jacob Bulkman. It's like, get your old ass out of yeah, here. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, how many boring wrestlers are we going to have? You two boring wrestlers wrestle it out in the last one. You know what? That was since, the since, charm since, of that story. He's like, this man's on a 40-fight win streak. We got to give him an opportunity. Yeah, uh, real quick, since we talked about it, Mark, you and I earlier today, give Bellator some props as much as we shit on them earlier. Them re-signing AJ to McKee to a long-term contract, very good move. And booking him against Pat Curran is the perfect fight, I think. Yeah. And I really look forward to that Good one. prospect, good test. Might make me pay for the zone. We'll see. Unlikely. Uh, I almost did the other day. Um, almost. 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 Thank you all for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about... Dude, this is, it's a lot to talk about because we got John Jones defending his belt. We got Tyron Woodley defending his belt. We got Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren, which I couldn't think of a fight. If you're going to tell me Ben Askren's joining the UFC, one, I wanted to see less than this one, but I'm still pretty excited Ben Askren's in the UFC. And uh, I don't know how Tisha Torres versus this person's name I don't recognize is on the main card. But, you know, we got Zabit versus Jeremy Stevens. We got Misha Serkinov versus Johnny Walker. Holy fuck. Guys, Misha Serkinov versus Johnny Walker is going to be insane. We got Cody Garbrandt versus some guy. We got Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. Why are we doing this? And then a whole bunch of fights on Fight Pass no one's going to watch. Because those aren't bad, aren't good at all. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Check out Umbrella Academy. Check out Russian Doll. Um, if you have the WWE Network, at least watch the goddamn main event from Elimination Chamber. Um, check Gotham. out Gotham. Check out Gotham, because I real I'm, I think for Mike's efforts to try to sell it as good, I just talked about how it is the most insane show that ever existed, at least on network television. 
Did you I don't know see how the Batman Fox. movies and you're like, man, I really wish they'd stretch out this part where he's a little <laughs> kid. They, they got you. Oh, God. Batman's such a bitch in the first couple seasons, too, Mike. Such a bitch. Okay? He's just a soft, soft out. Shows. It's like, I've, I, I like DC less than Marvel quite a bit, but I, I've liked DC characters. But, like, I couldn't watch the Green Arrow for the same reason. It's like... You're shitting on the main guy. This I mean, main uh, guy sucks. How is this supposed to be the lead of our series? Honestly, full disclosure, I think for Gotham, and Mike, you tell me otherwise, for me, what carried it for me early on is the guy playing Penguin. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, he's a he's a really good uh, really good actor. Um, yeah, he also it, was about 200 pounds too light for playing Penguin. Well, I mean, I think it's also early Penguin. I think they're trying to say when Penguin was young, like he before, was before Penguin, before Penguin got a thyroid problem. No, maybe <laughs> I don't sucks. know, man. Um, all I mean, right, guys, thank you. was super thin. Look at him now. That's my thing with Gotham. Everyone just grew up together. They all just grew up together. They, they all went to the same we high school. We knew each other it's since like, we were middle yeah. school. Like it's like Smallville, right? They all the whole road all... game. <laughs> This this town is just us. But then again, the movies also taught me that uh, Gotham and Metropolis are just Oakland and San Francisco. It's just the stones throw across the way from each other. I swear to God, I swear to God, when I was watching that movie with Phil and I saw that part, I wanted to get up right there. Oh, Mike, your feelings about this movie is one of, if we were going to make a best of this podcast, it was your 20-minute rant about how Batman vs. Superman was possibly the worst movie you'd ever seen. And Mike and Stefan and I are just like, what about Spider-Man 3? You're like, this is worse. And Stefan's like, what about Fantastic Four? You're like, this is worse. Like, we're just sitting there like, when it was over, I'm like, I didn't think it was that bad. It certainly sure, wasn't good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of my main reasons why I said that, I think was probably, all right, none of those movies had Batman and Superman in the goddamn movie. We have there's, higher There's an expectation of goodness with a, with a tier of hero we're dealing with. That's why I mean, Ant-Man can pleasantly surprise us. What are we, any of us expecting from Ant-Man? Like, we should not expect in a movie with Batman and Superman that fucking Gotham and Metropolis are, as Stefan said, Save fucking Martha. San Francisco and Oakland. We're not, I'm not, neither hero is willing to help the other city. Look, this is my boundary line. He could see! I got no jurisdiction so over It was literally like he's in Jack London Square staring so, at the Millennium Tower. So like, many, oh, he can see that, huh? So many goddamn <laughs> plot holes are in that movie. Like, how is Gotham so bad when Superman is literally a tall leap away from the goddamn city? I mean, if it was if it was seriously like, minute bus you know, like, ride, Mike. You know, he, like he doesn't you know, even got to use his powers if he doesn't want. You it. know, if you play like the old Hulk game, you could jump super high. Straight up, the Hulk could jump from Gotham to, to fucking uh, Metropolis. In that, was that video movie, game. we literally saw. Superman okay, we can't do this at again. A dinner party, <laughs> go to like fucking South America, stop a fire, and come back to the dinner party. That wasn't a no, dream. No, 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 no. But Gotham too far. That was Gotham that wasn't a far. dream. I don't remember. Okay. Martha. That's all I remember from that. Martha. Don't get me started. Martha. Um, All right, guys. Back next week to talk about John Jones. Because, again, Stefan's going to pick against him. We're going to pick about... We're going to do the fight that is the Spider-Man meme of two Spider-Mans pointing each other. Tyron Woodley versus uh, Kamara Usman. We got Ben Askren. Shit-talking the one man who has no interest in talking to him on any level. Robbie Lawler probably doesn't know what Twitter is. So, But it's a good card overall. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to see how much farther Mike gets in Gotham to see if, he, you know, the next week on the show, he's lost his mind along with the people who make that show. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. And if any of you can tell me when Netflix is going to get Ant-Man versus Ant-Man versus the Wasp, 
Go ahead and shoot us a message on Twitter. Dude, Bobby, I told you it's on there already. <laughs> I, I couldn't find it. Is it on there? Yes, I just been on there for a couple weeks. <laughs> Guys, that you, by the time you listen to this podcast, I will have watched Ant-Man versus the Wasp. Thank you all for listening, and peace out. Yeah.